Hey guys, welcome back. I'm really excited about this episode because we are going to be doing an extension of Jan Marini's uh, very popular, very well-loved Masterclass series. You guys have been so kind and chimed in about how much you've loved the series, the first five episodes, and I just thought, you know, um, why not approach Jan about doing another five episodes and just keep going till you know, you guys can't get enough, which I think is, you know, going to be never. So I'm super excited to announce that we will be doing another five episodes with Jan and they're all going to be just as amazing as the first five. So stay tuned for those. But this is the first one in the series. And this one is really, I think, one of the big ones, because in this episode, we're going to learn about her skincare management system. Now, I know that you know that our top picks are coming up very very soon sooner than you guys realize which i'm very excited about but jan is going to be receiving what i like to say her system will receive our science of skin award because it is truly one of the most intricate um you know sets that i've ever seen a skincare set that is targeted for everyone for skin for skin health i mean her products and her line literally are the closest I have ever seen to something that is, you know, custom made for just, you know, skin on a molecular level. So I don't know how to say it any different than that. It's, it's she's just a mastermind. And I absolutely recommend this skincare management system to every single person that is so confused about skincare, you don't know where to start, you have things like hyperpigmentation or acne or, you know, you just want better looking skin, you want to glow, this is for everybody. And so that's why I'm advocating so hard for it. I really think that, you know, it's it's really beautiful what she's created. So without me ranting too much longer, I want to introduce this episode to you guys um, with the full you know decorations that it deserves because it's it's truly a wonderful wonderful episode where she uh will dive into the science of her products and i think that you guys should really take notes because a lot of things come up that are very you know not talked about you know not understood i think um well enough in not only by consumers but even scientists and doctors so yeah take notes do whatever you want definitely go check out the skincare management system by jan and like i said stay tuned for top picks because there's going to be a very special special category of rewards um which jan is receiving uh, one of them but there are five total and these brands are truly in my opinion for this year um, the true hallmarks of skin health, skin care. And so I really, really hope you guys love our topics. I would love to hear from you, all of you. I would love for you guys to give, give some comments, some feedback on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review. It helps us so, so much. And yeah, stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is Ekta and I have the wonderful Jan Marini with me again today. And today's episode very special because this is, um, you know, for me, I've been using the the system for a long time, the skincare management system. And this episode is fully dedicated to educating all of you about the whole system and every single product in it. And as well as Jan really walking us through, um, you know, the real, the logic behind why she created it the way she did. So welcome back, Jan. I'm so excited to have you um, on the show again. I'm really, really excited to learn about this from you. Well, thank you. I'm 
excited to be here as always. And this is a fun subject and um, I'm excited to get started. Absolutely. And I would love to get started by just actually asking you what exactly is the skincare management system and why should we be using it? Okay. Well, I'm going to answer it this way. You know, when I talk to the media and they're interviewing me for the first time, and I can always predict, I know at least two of the questions they're going to ask me. And one is, you know, do I use my own products? Which, yes, I do. <laughs> and the second one is, you know, why do I do? the research and the development and what inspires me to read all the medical journals and develop the products. And I give the same answer every single time I do it because I'm selfish and I don't (laughs) want to have adult acne and I don't want rosacea and I don't want discoloration. And, you know, I'd like to keep lines and wrinkles away as long as I possibly can and have relatively, you know, healthy, young looking skin. And so I always say, I don't want another product. I want a solution. And that's really what the skincare management system is. It's a solution. I don't think I'm different from anyone else because the average female has over $700 in product in her bathroom she doesn't use. So this is the starting point for everyone. This is, it it doesn't matter if I'm talking with a world famous physician, if I'm talking with a huge celebrity of which I can't tell you all the celebrities that I talk with, but I can name one of them. And I've worked with her over the years in that share. But they all start with the same point. It's the skincare management system. So that's the basis for everything. And it really uh, addresses virtually every common skin concern. Now, I look at it globally as skin rejuvenation. And, you know, most of the time when you use the term skin rejuvenation, what do people think of? They think of fine lines and wrinkles. But skin rejuvenation is not just fine lines and wrinkles. For me, it's about perfecting the skin. So it's about the appearance of rosacea or discoloration or all of the kinds of common skin concerns, uh, whether it's acne. So it literally, and also fine lines and wrinkles, but it literally transforms the skin, the appearance of all of those issues. And when somebody gets on the system and they are really seeing this significant change in their skin, um, improvement. We also can use accelerators to even more fully address specific concerns. And the other thing that I wanna say is that when we're talking about the system, it always starts off with a critical question. And I like every practitioner to ask this question, but you know, you could, you can ask yourself this question. If there is something you could change or improve about your skin, what would it be? Now, normally you're going to say your first one, like maybe, oh, I wish I didn't have acne, or I wish I had smaller pores, or I wish, you know, I didn't have discoloration. So that's number one. And then if I, if you were to say, if there's something else you could change or improve about your skin, what would it be? Typically you're going to come up three or four concerns. That's your runway. What we want to do is we want to address every one of those concerns. It's not about just, oh, I'm going to buy this product because somebody says it makes your skin feel good, or it has some nonspecific endpoint. You really should be using things that absolutely have the ability to address these concerns and think about how you'd feel about your skin if you were able to address 
every one of your concerns. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that you said that because I think that that's, you know, again, it, it kind of referencing one of our um, previous episodes, you know, it really comes down to what we should be asking. I mean, it's, it's so true. Everything you said, because, you know, I think a lot of consumers, they don't sit down and really ask themselves. I mean, practitioners also, but just themselves like you know how many of you listening out there have you ever just sat down with a journal maybe you know just to make it easier and written down what you want your skin to do you know and that's something that I think it really goes hand in hand with what you said Jen is that this understanding of like what do I really want for my skin you know is it smaller pores is it less acne is it you know getting rid of the inflammation you have to first figure that out before you can even make a decision on where to go you know so I yeah. Ecta is, and, and I'll tell you something along those lines. You know, how many times have you gone for a facial? And facials are great, and all these insert in, in clinic procedures are wonderful. But somebody lays you down on a bed and they look at your skin and they proceed to tell you, well, you're this, you're that, you're dehydrated. You know, nobody knows your skin better than you do. Nobody has stared in the mirror at this, your skin from the time you were three years old. We all know exactly what it is that bothered us, bothers us. We know where every little pore is. We know where every little flaw is. We just yeah. don't necessarily know what to do for it. And that's the exactly. key. No one else exactly. can tell you. you. Everybody knows what it is that they don't like or they wish was different about their skin. Absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a question that, you know, this is a more philosophical side of skincare, but it's very, very important. You know, I completely agree with you. People need to sit down and have this discussion with themselves and really kind of have a realization before they just go bulk buy, you know, random products, you know. Um, but I want to I want to keep uh, talking about the skincare management system, because I really want to learn from you, you know, um, how is it like, I want you to educate our listeners on how it's possible that we could all be on the same system, but we have different concerns. So if you could yeah. like dive into that. Yeah. It's a real common question because, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a logical question. Yeah. So somebody has acne, somebody else has fine lines and wrinkles. Somebody else has discoloration. And I'll, I'll give you an example because it is designed to treat various common skin concerns. So I'll give you an example of one product in the system. It's called BioClear. And some of you may be familiar with BioClear, but it's a combination of glycolic, salicylic, and azelaic acid. Azelaic acid, sold by prescription for rosacea, sold by prescription for acne. It's also one of the best resurfacing agents we've ever seen for the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. It's Mm -hmm. also a pigment lifting agent. And then we have glycolic, which we could spend much, much, much time talking about glycolic, but it's very... (laughs) simplest level it dissolves and dislodges the glue-like substance or cellular cement between cells so what it does is it causes those cells on the surface of the skin to lift apart so it completely resurfaces the skin and it just makes it look so much more refined and so much brighter and so much smoother and then because of its very small molecular weight it's the smallest of all the alpha hydroxy acids and it actually can get down in your follicle And what it does is in your follicle, there's cells lining the inside of the follicle and it dissolves and dislodges the gulag substance or cellular cement between those cells when they stick together. That's the beginning of the acne process. So it actually interrupts the acne process. And it also can help encourage collagen. And there's, 
I mean, we could, again, we could talk a long time on BioClear. Yeah. yeah. Finally, we've got salicylic acid and we've all heard of that. That's helpful for acne and it's helpful to make the skin look a little brighter and a little smoother. But you put those three together. I've never seen anything for home care that has the ability to resurface and address and support so many common skin concerns. And in the system, all of the products are have topical agents that address virtually every aspect of you know, common skin concerns. And we refer to this, or I refer to this as layered technology because mm-hmm. you can't put everything in one product. That's, that's, I have to tell you, that's a real common marketing ploy today. Oh, gee, you can simplify your routine. Just use this one product. It has glycolic in it and it has retinol in it. And it has all of these, you know, lipoic acid and all of these various topical agents. And the fact is that here I am, I, if I'm designing a product, I have 100% mathematically, my ingredients add up to 100%. They don't add up to 120 or 150. My no. first 50%. or more is going to be water. You can't bake a cake without liquid. Then in addition to that, I have my binders and I have my spreading agents and I have stabilizing agents because you don't want to open up a product and it's just a, you know, a a mess of separated mess. And then I have my actives. And what if I need 12% of something and I need another percentage of something else? You, you see how big these, how massive these ingredient listings are. Well, guess what? I run out of room. And I could easily say, well, I'll just reduce these really critical actives and nobody would know the difference because they would still be on the label and I could charge you more money for them even. So that's one issue. And the other issue is that many of these actives that you see together in products are not compatible. Good example, for glycolic acid to do what we know it can do medically, it needs to be at a a pH around 3.5. Retinol needs to be at a pH of around between five and six. Our lipid soluble C is more on the end of of around seven or so. And so you can put them together, but you're going to render them far less active or inactive. And I could go on and on about that. And then when you're in the manufacturing process, some things go at a high heat, some things go to low heat. There's all kinds of subtleties that can decrease efficacy or just make the formulation less active. And so that all of those things have to be addressed very, very carefully. Um, And that's one of the reasons why we separate these actives into different products, because we're able to maintain really the full efficacy and and really truly have some dynamic, dynamic results. Yeah, no, I mean, I love that you said that, because I just want to take a minute and like, really kind of hone in on the importance of what you just described, because I I recently wrote a little article, and I'm going to be uh, eventually publishing it. But um, it was about this idea of, you know, how people say, oh, well, you need an acidic pH for your skin. And I feel like this blanket statement has taken yeah. over the industry in the worst way possible, because, you know, the way you're describing it is exactly how I wish more people would understand it, where, you know, and in that article, just to give you like an idea of what I wrote was I was talking about how your skin is not just one compartment. It's not just 
topical. You know, you put 5.5 pH, 5.5 on top, everything's going to be taken care of. No, you have intracellular, intracellular, subcellular. These are different areas and layers of your skin that need to be targeted with a different pH because the hydrogen gradients are different in those areas. So to really combat these issues, like it's not going to be one pH fits all. And that's a going back to your point, Jan, where you said, you know, you can't put everything in one product because it's going to alter the overall pH of that product. And so something that is supposed to be active at a pH of 3.5 or 4 is not going to be active if you're combining it with a pH of 5. I mean, it's going to completely render it, you know, uh, useless in the formulation. So I think this point is just so brilliant that you brought up because I I really don't think anyone, (laughs) people just don't think about this stuff, you know? Well, you're true. And you hear this term pH balance all the time. So my pH could be different from yours baby's pH different from an adult. And then the other thing is, is that, so you clean the skin and everybody's worried, well, if I'm washing my skin and it's not pH balanced, guess what? You know, within 10 to 20 minutes after you wash your skin, it's going to go back to its normal pH anyway. So it's, it's really about the efficacy and being able to formulate. And I, you, you may have heard me say this before, but it is much more difficult to formulate a really efficacious so-called cosmetic product than it is a pharmaceutical product. Because if you and I were putting a drug through the FDA, a topical drug, we would put it in a formula and the FDA would not allow us to put a lot of other things with it because they wouldn't know whether or not we were actually getting activity from that specific drug. And so it would be in a very simple formulation. And they're, they're basically testing it either works or it doesn't work. If I'm working with a cosmetic formulation, look at that ingredient listing. Oh my gosh, it is so complex. It's so multifaceted. And you, how do you, even chemists, they don't know specifically in many instances whether that ingredient does what it says it does or what it's going to do because they're focused on stability. They're focused on making a product that is able to withstand um, you know, the shelf life and, and, and not separate. And so it's, it's really very complex. Yes, no, I absolutely. No, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's a huge, that's a huge point. And I feel like we should have a whole um, interview on that, on that alone is <laughs> this idea. It, it's very, because people ask that question a lot, right? I mean, they yeah. ask like, well, is it FDA approved? Is it this? And it's like, you guys don't understand. There's a lot that goes into being FDA approved. And, you know, like Jen mm-hmm. just kind of hit on the surface of that. But yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, I actually want to, I want to ask you though, Jen, you know, there are five products, right? In the system. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people must wonder, you know, why? Why are there five products? So, and you know, we kind of, and that's again a a really good question. That it's an obvious question, and it's because um, pretty much what we talked about. But I also like to think of it as it's a cleanser, which everybody has to use a cleanser. It's a sunscreen and three products in between. Yeah, that's pretty modest considering, like in Korea, the average woman uses eight plus products. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. um, But again, you know, it's all about being able to formulate it in a way in which you're going to maintain the the efficacy. And um, I, I, you know, some of the things that you said were so important in terms of, you know, how people perceive products. And also this whole thing, that's a question that get asked all the time. Well, is it FDA approved? If you go to the FDA website, there is a section for manufacturers. 
And what it states in that section is the FDA has no oversight on cosmetics unless something is misbranded or you're actually doing some kind of harm to the consumer. And it also states that an ingredient can be either a cosmetic or a drug. What controls whether that ingredient is a cosmetic or a drug are the claims. So if I held up a glass of water and I said, Ecta, this glass of water will get rid of your lines and wrinkles. Now, this that's a ridiculous statement, but the FDA would say, you know what? That's a drug claim and you need to do a new drug application. And they would not allow me to market it until I can prove that claim. Now, if I said to you, Ecta, this glass of water will get rid of the appearance of your fine lines of wrinkles. They'd say that's a cosmetic claim and it might be a stupid claim, but they can't stop me from making that claim. Oh, wow. And so individuals don't understand that. Now, what really gives the some kind of a control over a product? Because cosmetic labs, so-called cosmetic labs, are not overseen by the FDA. And keep in mind that there are thousands of cosmetic labs. Now, what they're not allowed to do is a cosmetic lab is not allowed to make an OTC product. Uh, You know, over-the-counter drug would be sunscreen or benzoyl peroxide, but some of them do because how can the FDA have enough people to go out and just inspect every one of them? They don't inspect them. And so that's one thing that could happen that you're not getting products that are made appropriately. Now, what which does determine FDA oversight is when a product is being made in a GMP lab. That stands for Good Manufacturing Practices. That's a lab that has a drug license provided by the FDA. And you cannot believe how stringent the rules are. And they're inspected all the time. So they have the same rules as a farm. In fact, my lab actually makes a couple of drug products, but it's a GMP lab. And my, I had a, one time I took a doctor on tour of that lab and they have, we have various areas that are clean rooms. And one of the things that she commented, she says, my God, this is better than the, uh, the, clean, the operating room, <laughs> the hospital. I could do, could do surgery in here. I mean, yeah. you cannot even begin to imagine how strict the rules are. It can take, if somebody decides they want to become a GMP lab, they usually have to hire an FDA consultant, which my, uh, uh, VP of uh, my Dr. Saxena, my VP of R&D is an FDA um, regulatory expert, um, but they usually have to do that. And it can take years to actually get yeah. to the point where they have the paperwork, they have the infrastructure to be able to even apply. So that's one of the ways in which you know that there is some FDA oversight. But other than that, FDA does not control our cosmetics. And here we are. So many people are going, oh, my God, I don't want to put any chemicals on my face. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And yet they're using substances that they really don't know what they're using. And I, so it's, it's really important to have that insight. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I really agree with you. And I'm glad that you brought up the, um, the stringent criteria because I think that, you know, oftentimes consumers, you know, we see products that are 
very efficacious and we see products that are really done right but then to understand the process of behind the scenes and you know the world of a laboratory is extremely different than the world of making something in your kitchen and that's something yeah. I really hope people take away from this because you know uh, like you mentioned you know I, I remember even being like a student and working in a biomedical laboratory and they would come in and you know when we had our checks or you know the people that come in for um, validation and stuff we would be reorganized everything cleaning everything you know just it was nuts and the process of it is so so important because yeah you can get flagged for the smallest things you know if your refrigerator is not stocked the right way or if it's not you know things are not labeled the right way like you'll get a flag like these kind of things are so like in-depth detail that they look at that I don't think consumers um, have enough appreciation for that so I you know I really give you you know kudos for thank you yeah. And the other side of that coin is that you and I, we could go into our kitchen and we could say, oh, let's come up with some organic face cream and we could make it on our stove and we could pour it in some bottles and put a pretty label on it. And we could pay $3,000, $4,000 for a table at a medical conference and we could put our products out there. And I guarantee you, some physician's going to come by and carry them in his practice. Oh, wow. So again, there is no oversight. And um, I, it, this is really important for consumers to understand. What am I getting? What is it actually going to do? Does it have any validation, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think this is like such an important topic. And I really, really want us to do like a whole episode on this because it's just so, there's no one knows about it. No one talks about this stuff. Like, it's like, you know, everyone's like, well, there's no oversight. But then it's like, well, where's the, where, like you said, where's the flip side of this coin where we start to understand the, you know, the really meaningful components here and what brands should be striving for. I think at this point in skin care and skin health, we should all be striving for that as a brand, right. you know, like the days of making something in your kitchen, I feel like that should be over. <laughs> like, you know, I, we're, we're so worried about certain aspects of whether something is is toxic or not you know we're so worried about oh if I put a sunscreen on my skin is it going to hurt the environment well guess what there are a lot of people I just did an event recently and one of the individuals in the audience was a dermal pathologist and we were talking about how you have you, you you do all these sad things in terms of biopsies and working with people that die of malignant melanoma and their faces get carved up with basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. You know what? No one, no one that I know of has ever died of sunscreen. <laughs> no one. I'm and so, so <laughs> what we, you know, it's really, we, 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 and the social media of TikTok and all of these various um, social platforms. I call them pseudo intellectuals, Jan. Yeah, (laughs) but it can be so compelling. It can be so compelling. And so um, anyway, and I know we're getting off subject, but it really is an interesting. No, it's a very interesting. And, you know, I I could not agree with you more. I feel like you're one of the maybe one of like three people in the world that think about this the same way I do, because I agree with you. I think people are just it's craziness. And sometimes I wonder, why would you even believe those claims that you're going to die from sunscreen or get cancer? You're going to get cancer if you don't wear sunscreen. (laughs) Let's just let's start there. And so really what we should be focused on is how is the sunscreen made? Am I buying sunscreen that's actually made in a GMP lab where you have to legally send it out to an outside agency 
that has is licensed to be able to then, and this is a legal issue, which you are supposed to do, but again, does everybody do it? And what they do is they test your sunscreen so that what you're putting on there, whether it's an SPF 30 or a 40 or whatever it is, that it actually is. And that mm -hmm. it actually goes to a certain point in the spectrum. And it actually really is, you know, water resistant. Um, you know, those are the things I think that we really should be concerned about. Yeah, I agree. I think those should be the new quote TikTok trends, you know, <laughs> these kind of conversations. But let's, you know, going back to the the system, you know, I want to go through each product actually with you because yeah. the the first one is the amazing cleanser. By the way, this is like my favorite cleanser of all time. I am absolutely hooked on this, like literally hooked. It's the best. I mean, I I know there's a lot of people out there that are into the double cleanse thing, which is great for you, but I really can't find a better cleanser than this. So, um I want you to tell us all about the bioglycolic facial cleanser. Let's start there. Well, thank you. And so one of the things I want to say about cleansers is that you can be using the best cleanser in the world. You can double cleanse, you can triple cleanse, but mm -hmm. cleansers aren't going to get into your follicle. And when we cleanse our skin, what we should be concerned about is follicular cleansing, because that is what is going to have the, uh, focus on, you know, how small your follicles look and also on being able to help to prevent and, and kind of break down the acne process. Acne starts in the follicle. So when you want skin that looks really clear and you want it to look very refined, it starts in the follicle. I don't care how much you wash it on the outside. So the bioglycolic facial cleanser actually has the ability to get into the follicle. It's 12% glycolic acid. Now, a lot of times mm -hmm. when people hear the word glycolic acid, they think, oh my gosh, that's going to be, you know, harsh. It's, it's, we make, I make non-glycolic acid cleansers too, but this is the most gentle cleanser we make. The base of it is very similar to something called Cetaphil. And mm -hmm. a lot of derms love Cetaphil lotion because if you're having a, a reaction or your skin is it, 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 it's really, really sensitive, then they recommend Cetaphil because it's such a neutral cleanser. And so one of the things that happens as we age, and one of the things that people complain about is you look in the mirror and the outer layer of your skin, the stratum corneum, the dead layer, it starts to get very disorganized. And how we perceive that is that those cells, instead of laying like shingles on a roof, they start to pile up and the skin looks coarser. It doesn't look as smooth. It doesn't look as radiant. It can actually look dry when it's not really particularly dry. And there's a term for it called increased corneocyte cohesion. And what we want is we want a really, really thin, compact stratum corneum. We want it to look like baby skin and just have this lovely, reflective, smooth texture. And that's really what the bioglycolic facial cleanser does. And the reason that you love it so much, and I get this all the time, is people will say, gosh, is it my imagination? You know, they're on day two or day three and they're, it's my imagination, but my skin looks so much smoother. It looks so much yeah. more refined. So yeah. it's instant gratification. This is one of the things where we can see something right away. Yeah, absolutely. And also what I've noticed just from me using it, I've noticed that, you know, now I've been on it for over a month now, the system for everyone listening. And I really, really love that every single day, 
you start, you notice that glow every time yeah. you use this cleanser. It's not just once, it's not just twice. In the morning, when you get up and you cleanse your skin and you get out all the stuff off from the night that you were using, your skin looks exactly what Jane just described. It looks yeah. beautiful, glowy, renewed. You know what I mean? So it's just, it works every time, every time. Yeah, it's it's like kind of how your mouth feels when you get your teeth professionally clean because it gets into you know they get into places you just can't and it's like that because you are really getting into the follicle um and it makes a it makes a big difference right away yeah absolutely no um so the next product I really love is that siesta serum it's beautiful by the way but I love the way it smells too <laughs> I wanted to talk to uh-huh. you because oh, I love the scent I love it's, it's just such a it's a wonderful wonderful product so I want you to uh, really dive into it and the science of it and I and I have to tell you and our listeners about the scent in a minute okay, okay. <laughs> so remind me of that but siesta serum is a lipid-soluble form of vitamin C. Now, when we hear of vitamin C, we tend to think of ascorbic acid. And this is something that is not ascorbic acid. It's it's actually chemically L-ascorbic acid, 6-palmitase. You remove a molecule of of a lipid molecule and a, let's see, it's water and alcohol, molecule of water and a molecule of alcohol, and you have the, um, the ester. And the reason why that's so important is that ascorbic acid is a very, very unstable molecule. And a lot of physicians talk about ascorbic acid in terms of redux, which means reduction and oxidation mm-hmm. um, because it's very difficult. It, it causes instability when it's used with a retinoid. It causes a lot of things. It also can cause a lot of inflammation because it needs to really work be at a pH of 2.5 or lower. So liposoluble C, first of all, doesn't have to convert into ascorbic acid. It's an intact molecule on its own. And it's been shown in study after study to be 30 times more potent than ascorbic acid, even if you're using one quarter the amount. And it's completely stable. It has a two-year shelf life. It's impervious to things like oxygen or water or sunlight, all the things that break down ascorbic acid immediately. Now, we could, I could be talking with somebody who's you know, considered an expert in this area. And we could go on and on about, you know, sparring about the, the differences between ascorbic acid and ascorbyl palmitate and on and on and on. But I will tell you, if I took the vitamin C out of the ascorbyl palmitate, out of siesta serum, I would have an extraordinary product because of something called DMAE, dimethylamenyl ethanol. Oh. Now, dimethylamenyl ethanol it's a precursor to a major chemical messenger known as acetylcholine. Yeah. Now this was actually studied in Alzheimer's disease. This is we're going back a lot of years, but you know, at one time Alzheimer's was thought of as a disease of uh, a tangled mass of neurons having to do with acetylcholine. And we now know it has thought to do with beta amyloid protein. It could be type three diabetes, blah, blah, blah. But at any rate, um, what, uh, they found in this one study is that when they gave individuals a food grade substance, DMAE, precursor to acetylcholine, that they were able to help these individuals. It certainly wasn't a cure, but they were able to maybe help with a little bit of cognitive function and, and, and memory and being able to perform tasks. And it was kind of the precursor to some of the drugs today that have been developed that sort of slow down the progression of Alzheimer's. Again, not a cure. Um, and 
they also, uh, one researcher in particular, began to study the effects of acetylcholine on the skin. Mm. Now, so again, this is a major chemical messenger. Now, every, and it's every um, nerve sparks acetylcholine into the muscle. And one of the things that it does is it causes the muscle to kind of shorten. We refer to that as correct anatomical muscle positioning. You know, you could call it muscle tone. Right. And even the facial nerve sparks acetylcholine into the muscle and it kind of helps with keeping the face more contoured. It's certainly not the only aspect of aging, but it's, it's, it's one of the pieces of the puzzle and makes the cheek pads stay up a little higher and the jawline look contoured. And what happens as we age, we don't know if maybe we're producing less acetylcholine, but very possibly the the receptor sites just don't pick it up the same way. And hey, think about this. If you exercise like a fiend when you're 60 or 65, you're still not going to have the same body from a muscular sculpted standpoint that you did when you were, you know, 20. And so what they found is in in the studies that they did, what they found is that, and this was a study, by the way that was presented at the American Academy of Dermatology half-face double-blind random placebo. So on the side of the face where they used the uh, DMAE, um, they noticed that the cheek pad looked higher. They noticed one eyebrow was higher than the other, jawline was a little bit more defined, the neck looked better. And compared to the other side of the face, there was a distinctive difference. and Also, they found that the effect was persistent. Now, that's kind of a medical term, meaning that it's not like, you know, you use a skincare product that's supposed to firm your skin. Usually those are film formers that you don't feel sticky or anything. But what they're doing is it's a film that kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the skin, makes it temporarily look firmer and lifted, but it washes off. Well, this doesn't wash off. In fact, in the study they found, let's just say for an example, that you use the product for, I don't know, six months, and then you decided I'm not going to use it anymore, that you wouldn't just suddenly notice that your skin changed back, that actually it, there's a permanency, the skin would age back. Yeah, so And it's know. also one of the most powerful anti-inflammatories we found. Um, DM, DMA has actually been shown to pass the brain blood barrier. Now, not when you apply it topically, but it does have this wonderful effect on this muscle shortening at the neuromuscular junction. And so we see that the skin just looks more contoured. It looks more lifted. And also because it's such a powerful anti-inflammatory and aging is considered to be, you know, inflammatory in nature. So it's just, it's a phenomenal product. And that's the, that's right after you cleanse. That's the first thing that you put on. You put it on all over your face, right up to the hairline on your neck and behind your ears. Yeah. No, I love that you have actually brought this topic up. Like, I feel like every time I talk to you is just, for me, it's like so intellectually stimulating because like for everyone listening, Jan's like the only person (laughs) that gets it. Like the amount of geeking out I do over skincare and like skincare products, because honestly, acetylcholine, and I love that you brought up acetylcholine and the Alzheimer connection, but acetylcholine for everyone listening also is a huge um like basically what it does is excite your neurons that's what it's going to do no matter where it is 
So as Jan mentioned, what that is going to result in is that your vessels are actually going, it's been linked to like dilating vessels in addition to exciting the muscle. So you're getting more blood flow to the skin. You're getting yeah. your muscles yes. more excited. It's like a better, in my opinion, I mean, this is a huge blanket statement. So no one quote me on this, but it's like better than Botox in my opinion, because you are actually physiologically stimulating receptors that already exist and just allowing them to work more you know it's like the more you stimulate them the more they're going to fire you know or cause the neurons to fire that means it's going to be just you know you're going to be doing this and that's where the persistence thing comes in because you're persistently activating them so that that makes so much sense and it's so like intuitive physiologically that i i absolutely love that and i love that you're well, using that technology yeah i hear Everybody always says the same thing you said. They say, oh my God, I love siesta and I love the smell. Now, let me tell you about the smell. Yes. Yes. So DMAE is an amine that has a natural odor that's a cross between ammonia, dead fish, and cat urine. <laughs> now, when I was first making this product, I don't like to put fragrance in products because people have a thing about fragrance and, you know, they're always thinking it's going to somehow it's the worst thing you can put in a product. Yeah. And um, so, you know, our products for the most part are fragrance free, unless I really need to put something in there. And when I was kind of doing proof of concept on this product and doing some, you know, testing and everything. And I said to individuals, well, tell me if this really works, what do you think about the fact that it doesn't have a fragrance? Oh, we don't care. We don't care. Well, people loved it, but they nicknamed it birth control. <laughs> so oh, no. I, had up, I had to come up with a way to scent this. And I'm telling you, everything that I tried, what well, first I thought, okay, well, hey, it's siesta, you know, vitamin C oranges. Let's let's put a nice orange scent in it. Well, it just smelled like rotten catfish dead oranges. So um <laughs> The only thing that we came up with, and it worked so beautifully, was a natural kiwi scent. Yeah. And in this, and I've used the kiwi scent in other things where we needed to, to hide an odor or whatever. Um, so that natural kiwi scent smells different in everything. And in this product, for whatever reason, it just has this delicious smell. Everybody always says, you should make a perfume. And it, it's just, you know. It smells like wasn't, tropical. Wasn't necessarily like, by intent. It just happened. Well, it smells like tropical paradise. Like it just smells beautiful. Like I know that I know. originally that wasn't the, you know, that wasn't the, but it smells like bananas to me. Like it reminds me of the Caribbean. Oh, does it? That's yeah. interesting. Well, I, I kind of gravitate toward that type of scent and it just, to me, it just, my, my, my senses love it. Oh, and, me too. Yeah. Everybody too. loves that scent. Now, through the years, I'll tell you another inside secret. This hasn't yeah. happened for a number of years, but every so often through the years, something would be, you know, when you work with a raw material, there is a range of what's considered to be um, acceptable. And it, and, and it can be off by just a minuscule and it can affect a lot of things. And so every so often we would get breakthrough and some people that are very sensitive to to smells and things like that, they'd say, well, it smells like siesta, but there's an undercurrent of dead fish or ammonia. <laughs> <laughs> so this has always been a challenge, but we haven't had that happen now for so long. And I, I, you know, what, for whatever reason, we've, we've got it down pretty pat. 
No, I mean, if it makes you feel better, Jan, I have, I actually can't eat any fish or seafood like products because my sense of smell is so tied to my sense of taste. And so for me, I don't smell fish at all. I know. So I promise I you, it's not. <laughs> no, we, we've, we've, we've got it down really just great, but you never know, you know, you never know if a manufacturer is going to send a batch of kiwi extract that just slightly off or something. Right. right. So far, so good. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I really love it. Now, uh, okay, so on to the next step, BioClear. Let's talk about BioClear. I love okay. this product as well. So BioClear is the one we talked about where I said it's glycolic salicylic and azelaic acid. Mm-hmm. And it just has this global effect on virtually any common skin concern. And it, again, it's one of that those technologies that give you sort of that instant gratification because it has such an immediate effect on the surface of the skin. It's also just really dramatic for, again, helping interrupt the acne process and helping to brighten skin. And it thins and compacts the stratum corneum. We want a really thin, compact stratum corneum, but also glycolic thickens the dermis. So we want thin, compact stratum corneum. We want a real thick, robust dermis. The dermis is 80% collagen and it begins to thin right around the age of 20 maybe 1% or so a year. But let me tell you, if you've had previous sun exposure and that's incidental sun exposure, just growing up as a child, or if you were a sunbather and then the, the sun exposure that you have ongoing, your lifestyle, your diet, stress, all of that can cause that collagen to thin faster. And you know, for example, a really good illustration of that is let's just say that, you know, you, you might think that your diet is really good, but let's say you sit down to a nice big dinner of pasta and you have some garlic bread with that. And, you know, you have a vegetable, but you also have a dessert. So what you're talking about there is a very high level of carbs and it, it translates into the glycemic index and it'll actually end up being converted into more sugar in your body then the actual amount of, let's say, the glycemic index that's there to begin with. And what happens with these sugars is, among other things, which we could spend a lot of time talking about this, but it attaches to your collagen. Mm, yeah. It causes your collagen to stiffen. It causes it to harden. It decreases it, causes it to decrease more rapidly. And what we found is that just limiting those kinds of factors within two weeks, you can have a 25% decrease in your bad collagen. And so um, all those things play a role. But what we do know is that we can substantially kind of thicken the dermis with something like, you know, we can encourage that with something like BioClear. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a wonderful product, actually, you know, and I, I've definitely noticed, you know, because I had mentioned to everybody listening, you know, I've been on the system for more than a month now. And I literally know, like, I mean, I haven't really stopped using any of the products, but I do know that the, the effects that you're describing are definitely apparent in my skin, because before it used to always be like, you know, I was very much into exfoliation and like, you know, just trying to get, but now I don't need, I don't feel the need for that as much you know what I mean like it's like you start to see this like you know you're saying for example like the stratum corneum needs to be very very you know 
uh, thin but packed, right? And that's when when you get to that point, I feel like you don't need to worry about, oh, I need this exfoliator or this mask or this, you know, because you don't, your skin doesn't look like that anymore. It doesn't look like it's got dead skin cells hanging off of it, you know? So there's definitely this long-term effect that you can visibly see once you've been on the system for, you know, say a week, two weeks, you know, I started yeah. noticing it very early. So, yeah. You know, it, it really normalizes the epidermis and I'll give everybody kind of an example of that. So there is a skin disease called ichthyosis. Yeah. Yeah, it might be congenital. Some people are born with it. Some people get it later on in life. But literally, I've seen photos where it looks like the, I, you could call them the lizard person, the alligator person. I mean, scales. I would imagine back in the days where there were sideshows and circuses that, you know, when they ever advertised the lizard man, it's probably somebody with severe ichthyosis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you, you mean. Take, you, can, you can put all kinds of lotions on that. You can you know, it looks like just dead, dry skin. You can soften it up. You can just, you know, you could try and scrub it off and it doesn't really get to the root of it at all. And yet you can take glycolic acid and completely change the epidermis. Wow. And we used to back in my company, MD formulations, MD Forte, my third company, this is my fourth company. Um, and when I pioneered this market through the uh, to the doctor market pioneered glycolic acid and back then um, it was connected with a company called Harold Pharmacol mm. and one of the things that we put out we put out a corporate folder and we showed on that corporate folder a baby with ichthyosis the before and after completely this absolutely gone and a um, an older man with ichthyosis and again just completely completely eliminated now that doesn't mean that i mean eliminated for good but what it, we should say managed it and um so it's it was really stunning and so in a sense we're epi, we're we're normalizing the epidermis and you can't do that with a scrub because a scrub what a scrub is doing is it's basically you are manually removing supposedly dead cells but how does the scrub know whether the cells are really dead or not and how do you know scrubs, even if they're small polished granules, they create inflammation and they can actually um, exacerbate acne and exacerbate aspects of the aging process. So this is a way in which we can go beyond that and at the same time provide other elements of skin rejuvenation. I love that. And I love what you said about, you know, how does a scrub know, you know, if it's dead skin cells yeah. or not. And I think that's, that is such a brilliant statement, especially now because people are just, you know, we always hear about it, whether it's TikTok, Reels, whatever, exfoliation, exfoliation, exfoliation. Well, you're really going to end up at a point where you're going to have a chronic inflammatory condition if you keep doing that. So that's, I really, right. you, you know what I mean? So it's like, why not invest in products that will eventually make you feel like you don't have to do that anymore. And that's why, like, I really, really love, you know, the whole system, how it progresses and how it makes your skin progress, because that's what I meant earlier, where I don't feel like I need to put a scrub on or even a chemical exfoliator. It doesn't, that need for me is no longer there as a consumer. And I feel like when people get to that point, that's really going to help alleviate this process of, you know, chronic inflammation, which is what we see everywhere nowadays, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. 
So I want to talk about um, the fourth step, Jan, and that's the hydration and moisturizing step. And I really, really love, again, I love your moisturizer. So I would love for you to speak on the idea of hydration and moisture and how it really plays in. To the so I use the term hydration and moisturizer because that's a, a term that people identify with. It's, you know, it's a common term. And I'm going to focus on transformation, which is in the normal combo system. And then in a dry skin system, we have a little different version, uh, which is equally um, as beneficial. Mm -hmm. But really what this is, this is a vehicle for more technology. And at the same time, it does provide some barrier function and it does help to address, you know, transepidermal moisture loss and the fact that, you know, your barrier, it can be compromised. And, but really, again, it's a vehicle for technology. Now, to give you an example, we were the first company in the world to ever pioneer transferring growth factor beta one and transferring growth factor beta one. Uh, one of the uh, individuals who really did a lot of work in this area is Dr. Guido of Jefferson university. And what caught my attention, and this is years ago, I'm reading an article and Dr. Guido mentioned that transferring growth factor beta one stimulates a type of collagen you don't produce after the age of 30. And then he was quoted as saying, this is just the thing to keep the skin young indefinitely. Well, that got my attention. And what I like to refer to this as is cytokine technology. So cytokines are little um, receptors that sit on our, our, our cells and they're kind of like orchestra leaders. So they're constantly orchestrating collagen and orchestrating various functions. And um, this was actually pioneered originally many years ago where they were operating on fetuses that were less than six months past conception, where they were doing things like repairing spina bifida or, or even a heart defect. And they found that these babies were born without a scar. Hmm. Now, when they really started to study this, uh, they believe that it has to do with the fact that among other things, transferring growth factor beta one is produced in very high quality quantities in fetal development. We have it, we have it in our body, we have it in receptor sites, but it, it lessens significantly as we get older. And they actually did a study where they injected a very small amount of transferring growth factor beta one in a wound. And it did have the effect on, uh, on, on, on scarring and healing. But at the time, I think that injection was uh, something like cost several hundred thousand dollars. Now, we're not this is not in there because we think we're going to eliminate scars or we're going to have that effect. Um, it's, it's really, again, as an intercellular intermediary and very small amounts. We now, I used to work, actually get it from a research lab at supplied hospitals, but now we get it in the form of a peptide. And it just has a, in my opinion, a profound effect on a lot of things that have to do with the appearance of aging. Now, in addition to that, I also have one of my patents in there for thymusin beta-4. Mm. Thymusin beta-4 is found in every cell in the body except red blood cells. It was actually originally discovered in the thymus of cattle. And it's also kind of a, a mediator in terms of wound healing, but it's believed to help to correct instructions coming from your DNA. And retinoids do that as well. I like anything that helps to correct instructions coming from your DNA. Um, and in addition, in that product, we have, I, I actually have a, a select group of peptides that are um, proprietary to me, um, anti-inflammatories, you know, other things that are just great for barrier function. It's 
a really incredibly popular product because it has such a wonderful benefit in terms of how it transforms the skin, which is why I call it transformation, but it doesn't feel heavy. It doesn't feel like you've got this occlusive layer on the skin in any way. Right. Right. No, I, I mean, I, I think that that's very interesting to me about the, um, you know, the growth factor idea, because I think that now we're getting to a point, I mean, in science and obviously in, in dermatology where growth factors are actually becoming like the new, like, I don't, I don't want to say trend, but people are like now like starting to understand that there's a lot of potential here. And again, it goes back to signaling, right? So it's like people are now coming to this idea of, okay, well, if we have growth factors, it's going to cause our fibroblasts to do what they need to do and all this stuff. But I mean, there is a balance, right? There's, there needs to be a balance. So I find that to be very interesting what you said. And in general, um, you know, with the moisturizer, I, it's interesting that you put it in like that you've utilized this in the moisturizer uh, category rather than like a serum. Like, can you explain to me? Like, well, why? actually, and actually, this is uh, interesting you say that because we do make a transferring growth factor, or excuse me, we do make a transformation serum for people that maybe are a little bit more oily. So mm. they can use the cream or they can use the serum. And I think that there's um, some sort of a misconception about somehow serums are going to be more uh, efficacious. Um, and there's a lot of misunderstanding also about penetration. So we tend to focus on, oh my God, does it penetrate? Does it get in far enough? The fact is, is that every cell in our body has receptor sites. And what I need to do is I need to connect in most instances with those receptor sites and I can influence how the skin functions. And as a matter of fact, if I were able to, in certain instances, get some type of miraculous delivery because the skin, let me tell you, the skin is very, you know, you can spend your entire career trying to get through the skin. If we could, if we could get through the skin easily, we'd all drown in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I mean, this is the, the, one of the most efficient barriers in the history of mankind. So, um, it's really about connecting with receptor sites because I can then, you know, I can stimulate collagen. I can do all of these things. It's, it's, it's actually kind of fun because it's, it's, um, uh, um, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful playground and it's very exciting what we're doing. And there's more and more that's happening all the time. Now, growth factors are very large molecules. And so it's tricky when you're working with growth factors to actually get a result and their stability. And there's some, you know, there's some nuances to that, that I think we've figured out pretty well that are proprietary. Um, but it's I I it's 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 an extraordinary product, and um, I just kind of think it strikes the right balance in terms of what we are able to do. Uh, again, within this the system, uh, uh, from a skin rejuvenation perspective. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I really actually see the layering aspect. You know, the more as you've gone through these steps, I'm starting to see like you know where that layering concept really plays in and why it is so important. You know, for everyone listening, you know, I really am a huge believer in the idea that you know you can't have one thing that does everything yeah. right so you have to have different components that are signaling or causing signaling to occur in your cells you know in, at different times or even if it's at the same time it's targeting different things that's very important there's this you know jan had mentioned you know um the analogy of an orchestra well if you look at an orchestra there's different 
you know, instruments, right? And they're right. doing different things. And that's exactly how cell signaling is, is that you have different receptors being activated that eventually will go and connect together or downstream, you know, in terms of the response that they're creating. And so that's where I find the whole system to be extremely um, just fascinating, you know, from a science perspective, because it's, it's really is an orchestration of multiple pathways, you know, and, and so that, you know, the, yeah, you also, I think you would definitely confirm this, is yeah. that when you use these products, you get to the end, which we're going to get to the last one in a moment. But when yeah. you get to the end, you feel like oftentimes you have less product on your skin than if you were just using one moisturizer. Yeah. Yeah, it's so light. That's the other thing that is just really key because you, you know, you you would think about this, you think about the sister, you think, oh my gosh, I'm going to feel like I have, you know, just layered all of this goop on my face. And it's not how it works at all. No, everything sinks right in, honestly. Like as a consumer, I can tell, like for everyone listening, like it's it's interesting um, that you bring this up, Jen, because it's very important to highlight that when you use the system, you really start to see that each product is doing what it's doing because it's able to get into the skin and it's able to actually penetrate into layers and you feel that you know and just tangibly you can tell that your skin is not weighed down because the products don't sit on top of your skin like that they're not creating a film on the top of your skin at right. all exactly. you know so yes. that's that's a huge huge component that I absolutely love um now the final step which is you know I think all of our favorites right I want you to speak about <laughs> your honestly Jen your sunscreens are like you know they're just legendary I feel like the sunscreen aspect is something you've just mastered beyond anything else I've ever seen so I would love for you to speak on this and really talk about you know, what the technology was that went behind this. Well, you know, sunscreen isn't just a cosmetic issue. It's a health issue. And uh, I made the decision just before I turned 25 that I would start wearing a sunscreen after many years of sunbathing. I'd wear one every single day. And I never, ever broke my word on that. And I wore them indoors. I wore them all the time. And frankly, I hated them. (laughs) <laughs> I think that I spent so much time and so much money trying to find something I'd put on my skin that didn't make me feel like I would break out or made me break out or was not compatible with anything else you put on the skin or I looked greasy or it w- just went on and on. And so actually, it wasn't just a matter of you know saying, okay, I'm going to go and put this formula together and develop a sunscreen. It was really, I'm going to say, years and years of my own personal research and my own personal experience. And I don't think I'm really different from anyone else. So we make three different sunscreens and I'm going to talk for a moment about the SPF 33. Now we make one that's tinted and we make one that is um, a complete so-called physical block. That's, that's colorless. The tinted is a, um, a physical block that's tinted and the SPF 33 is a chemical block. Now, I want to start off with telling people that a physical block is not better than a chemical block. In fact, in some cases, a chemical block actually protects better. And when we send these sunscreens out to the agency that everybody is supposed to send them to, where they're analyzed so that they come back to you and tell you what your SPF factor is, that has been validated, and all the other attributes that you're you know, allowed to say on the label, they don't know whether they are working with a chemical or a physical screen. 
So when they assign an SPF 35 or an SPF 30 or whatever it is, that's just exactly what that product does. They don't say, oh, it's an SPF 30, but it's a physical block, so it works better. No, it didn't show up better in their studies. So, um, and, and that we can, we get into that, that we can get into that in a lot of detail and it can be, it's more, it's much more complex. But the fact is, the statistics show us that about 33% of Americans wear sunscreen on a consistent basis. And then sometimes the numbers drop. And why is that? Because we're not stupid. We hear all the advertising and all of the, you know, admonitions about sunscreen. But if you talk to people and you say, well, you know, why don't you wear them every day? And you, you get all kinds of answers about, well, I'm, I'm not sure that it's good for the skin and blah, blah, blah. But you know what the bottom line is? Bottom line is they don't like how they feel. Yeah. That's behind all of it. If you loved how it felt on your skin, you'd wear it. So the first thing we have in the SPF 33 is we have in all of our sunscreens, by the way, we have something called an oil capture system. And what this is, this is a microscopic system that has the ability to absorb almost unlimited capacities of oil, but it can't absorb the actives and it can't absorb water. So it balances the skin. If you had dry skin, it's going to leave it feeling soft and silky and you know, nice and dewy. And if you had more combination early skin, it's going to balance it out. It goes both ways. Yeah. Um, the second thing we have in there is we have something called beta-glucan-1-3. Now, you have something called Langerhorn cells. And by the way, let me just stop here for a second. Let's just say you're wearing what you think is the best sunscreen in the world. And by the way, a difference between a 30 and a 45 or a 50 or an 80 or whatever is minuscule. It doesn't really even count. But, you know, whatever you're wearing, you think is wonderful. Um, you're still going to absorb in roughly two to three percent or more radiation. That's a lot. You're absorbing that into your DNA and you are aging your skin. So we have we mitigate that. Now, sunscreen is considered an over-the-counter drug. It is controlled by the FDA. We talked about that. So everything that we say from a, a drug stack fact standpoint is regulated. Even the size of the line that goes around the drug fact box, every word, we can only state it the way the FDA allows us to state it. But we can put other things in the product that we believe maybe can add or enhance that. We just can't make the claims for it in terms of a sunscreen. But in terms of how we mitigate that radiation that gets absorbed into the skin, one of the things is with something called beta-glucan-1-3. Now you have Langerhans cells. They look like a little, little curly cues or pig cells that go to the surface of the skin. I didn't, I meant pigtails, not pig cells, pigtails. <laughs> yeah, no tree. Yeah. And what they do is they're kind of like your first line of defense, like little soldiers that are out there constantly on guard with coming in contact with radiation or various other things that maybe could um, affect the skin, compromise it. But they're particularly um, affected by radiation. And so they get compromised and they can be kind of out of commission, meaning that you are then being exposed to all of this and you don't have the same defenses. So what beta-glucan 1-3 is it attaches Langerhans cells and it helps them from becoming compromised. Second thing we have is we have something called phytomelanin. Now phytomelanin is a, uh, comes from the date palm. It's chemically identical to human melanin and we've been able to make it colorless. Now the most protective element you've got in your body is your own melanin. So when you see people that have really dark pigment 
you don't see lines and wrinkles as they get as they age because it's kind of like a built-in protection. I still need to wear sunscreen, but nevertheless, they do have that advantage. And so what this does is this is, in a sense, it's kind of like putting a blanket over your head because it really does add another element, a protective element. And so that's the SPF 33. And we have different elements, similar, same thing, some of these same things I just said, and other things as well in each of these products, each of these sunscreen products. Um, now, I'm not, I'm not wearing, oh, nobody can see me, but I'm not wearing <laughs> foundation. I'm not wearing tinted sunscreen or anything. I do wear the tinted sunscreen once in a while because it's kind of like wearing a foundation, except it's not a foundation. It just makes your skin look so much beautifully polished and gives it kind of a nice radiant look. So anyway, um, and that's kind of the, the cherry on the cake on the system. And one thing I want to emphasize, the other thing besides not feeling like you're wearing a lot of product is that it's very People say to me, well, Jan, how long do I have to wait in between each step? You don't just put them on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think right after the other, I don't have time to wait. Right. Like, I mean, I think that, you know, we, we've definitely done like a deep dive into the system, but that's a really important point to highlight is that, you know, it's you guys like for everyone listening, it is the, all these steps, but it takes no time at all you will not feel like you are you know cutting into your morning routine or just running late for work or whatever no it's a very quick you know process and that's what I really love about it is that you've got the science right here you know that we've talked about but you it's a very very quick thing that you do in the morning it's a routine and you know um I think the more important aspect right now especially when I look at you know people talking about skin health or skincare in general is establishing that routine and I really really urge everybody you know if you're going to establish a routine pick one thing pick one brand you know and the whole purpose of this uh, this specific segment, this specific episode, I think was for you guys to understand that, you know, the science is here, you know, so if you're going to pick a system, pick one that's supported by science and, you know, really stick to it. And once you stick to it for 21 days, establish that habit, you're automatically not going to want to divert from it. That's just human nature. And it also, you know, it kind of validates the the science behind all of Jan's products, you know, so I really, really urge everybody, you know, you got to stick to it and you got to try it. You know, you just got to try it. So, well, thank you. And the other thing is, is that there is a system for combination skin, which is the number one category. I mean, 80, 85% of people you talk to, you ask, well, what type of skin do you think you have? Well, I think it's combination. And it's just a matter of, you know, how oily your T-zone is or how dry your cheeks are, whatever. And then, of course, there's exceptionally oily skin. And then there's skin that's really, totally, really dry everywhere. And so um, there's, you know, the, te- the technology in each of these categories is the same. Yeah. We don't change the technology. It's just a matter of, is the product that you're putting on, is it maybe in a form in which there's less emolliency? Yeah. Or there's more oil, oil, oil absorption or... Um, but it has the same technologies. And so that's another thing that you see sometimes is that they're changing the technology. Just because you have oily skin doesn't mean you don't need all these technologies. Now, there are variations as far as, or there are things that we can accelerate the system with um, because there are people that maybe, you know, they have uh, acne. And so we can add a product 
within the system we call them accelerators, you know, something specifically for acne, something specifically for discoloration, something specifically for rosacea, et cetera. Um, so there's numerous different accelerators that can manage these conditions that have no cures. We can manage it. So you don't ever break out. I love that. I love that. I mean, I think that that's really important in the sense of like, you know, you don't need different ingredients just because you have different skin types. You know, that's really, that's really, really uh, a big statement. And I think that that's a very important concept to drive home is that you don't have to buy into the marketing hype, you know, as usual, Um, when it comes to you, if you do have very dry skin, it doesn't mean that you can't use a specific type of system or a specific type of product, you just have to find the right kind of, you know, I guess, balance in the formulation. And that's, that's very, very true. And, you know, I actually wanted to make a point, Jan, you know, you had brought up longer Han cells and I love that you bring that um, level of science up and just for everyone listening, you know, since we were talking about skin cancer and we we're talking about sunscreens, you know, fun fact is, you know, longer Han longer Han cells are actually your your resident macrophages in your skin and what macrophages are they're going to eat up all of the you know like dead debris and the stuff you don't want sitting around so Mm -hmm. they're really really important cells to target you know and they're really important cells to study and so if you've got a brand that's already you know Jan's already ahead of the game here you know we're talking about things that are very very high tech and they're um, you know in terms of science it's a very science forward way of thinking you know and you want that because the skin like we all know it's a very dynamic organ it's something that we don't know very much about you know I often say the brain and the skin is very similar we know just as much about the skin as we do the brain you know it's very stomach stomach brain and skin yeah yeah those three development that's one of the the uh areas where they they you know that develop the together when you look at the the quadrants and in the and fetal development um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, that's why it's it's just so important to, you know, what we do know, stick to those facts, you know, don't don't try to come up with solutions that are not science backed. you know, that's really, I think, my message here for people listening that, you know, you you got to trust the experts here, you really do, you know, you, just like you wouldn't go to a cardiologist to get your brain tumor fixed, or, you know, handled or whatever, you wouldn't go to a, you know what I mean? You wouldn't go to somebody, a housewife in their kitchen to get your skin fixed, right? So that's the idea. And I really urge everybody, you know, look into the science and really, you know, trust it. Like you have to, you have to trust it. So um, Jan, that brings me to my last question for you. And that's really um, about what are, you know, what are things that we can do to accelerate the system? You know, if now that we've bought it, you know, we're using it, um, you know, if we want to address specific concerns or we want to accelerate the progress that we're seeing, what are some things that we can add on? um, So sort of the top ones, and there's, there's lots of things that we can do, but some of the top ones, acne is an epidemic among among women in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, and beyond. Some people say, well, I don't break out. I, you know, I don't have acne. I just break out once in a while. Well, whether you break out once a day, once a month, 10 times a day, it's the same process. And if you have clogged follicles, if you have blackheads, that's non-inflammatory acne, it's still acne. So duality is really a revolutionary uh, topical that is able to actually de-age the appearance of skin and address acne at the same time, get complete total clearing. Hmm. Another one of my top issues uh, I should say not me personally, but in general, when you hear from people, is that everybody by the age of 35, if you've got skin, every person on the face of the earth will have abnormal discoloration. 
And if you don't have obvious areas of contrasting discoloration, you'll have what's called background pigment, also known as tinic bronzing. And so that's a huge issue. And again, there's no cure for it, but we can manage it. We can dramatically manage it. One of the fastest growing skin conditions today is rosacea. It affects over 16 million Americans, but I will tell you that number is underreported because unless you go to a derm and somebody reports it, there are many more people than that that have rosacea. And um, we know that characteristically, when we look at rosacea, it, 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 it exhibits itself with um, redness and flushing and blushing and the appearance of telangiectasia, which are dilated capillaries, no cure for rosacea, we can manage it. We also have things, you know, to further manage the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles and loss of volume, because 50% yeah. of what we perceive of aging is loss of volume. People say to me all the time, gee, I, you know, I looked in the mirror and it looked like somebody took the air out of my face. Um, so uh, there are just so many different things that you can do. And even, you know, things that you can do supplementally that speed up the process of whatever you're trying to accomplish dramatically. Um, things you do a couple of times a week where you can do like our, our peel pads, um, the multi-acid uh, resurfacing pads or the multi-acid corrective pads jar that has 30 pads in it that are moistened with um, a, a, co a combination of acids and some other technology that dramatically continue to resurface the skin, speed up the process or help with acne discoloration post-inflammatory yeah. hyperpigmentation, help with the appearance of acne scarring, which is an injury to the dermis. The discoloration is not a scar. Um, and, you know, also, uh, I mean, I got to tell you, I'm working on, I'm working on a lot of new technology right now. I'm having a, you know, I go through periods where sometimes I feel creatively dry. And then other times I come across things in journals and I think, wow, uh, they're just, I'm, I'm having a renaissance right now. So <laughs> I love that. Yes. I love that. No, you're, it's like, you know, when the creative, uh, creative, uh, spirit is there, you know, you just gotta, you gotta go with it. I love that. I mean, I, I really, you know, I love the way that you approach skin health overall, Jan. I think that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, notes that someone can take from your book, you know, and, and the overall approach, you know, I, I often see brands that are, you know, they, and I'm sure you've noticed this is they're targeting one thing, you know, and, or they get stuck up on one molecule or one ingredient and it becomes this hallmark. And I just, I'm so oh. anti that, you know, it's like, it, it just goes against everything I believe in as a physiologist, as a doctor, everything. Like, I don't believe in that. I, I think that, you know, if you have a brand that's just advertising retinol and that's all they do, you need to rethink that because there's a lot more, you know, like we, we've talked about in this entire episode, there's a lot more that goes into this overall homeostasis of your skin. And then also the recovery process from, you know, inflammatory conditions like acne and rosacea, which you mentioned earlier. So I'm a huge fan, you know, of the, your process yeah. and the way you oh my God. we are singing off the same sheet of music because you know so many times you hear about something like oh there's this german scientist and he came up with this molecule years ago that was for wound healing and now he's put it in the skincare product and every skincare product you know that he makes has this molecule in there it's supposed to dramatically address everything well guess what yeah you know you're using that molecule you still have acne maybe your skin yeah. looks maybe your skin does look a little smoother but you're still using it and you you know you still have large follicles and et cetera et cetera it, it's, it's really about addressing all those concerns. And I think one of the things that um, I'm kind of focusing on more and more 
is the things that we have been very successful at in being able to truly address acne and kind of transform the skin and make it look so much smoother and, you know, just younger and better. But really getting into from a topicals perspective, um, how we can turn on things like sirtuins, which are anti-aging genes. We have roughly 24 of them. And, you know, there's, um, when we talk about correcting instructions coming from our DNA, which is really what is kind of at the root of the perception of aging. When we see fine lines and wrinkles, it's, it's this blueprint, the instructions that our skin's the only thing that they look at, the only thing our body looks at to repair, achieve normalcy, and they get scratched, they get compromised. And so you don't repair the same way. Well, being able to correct those instructions, but going beyond that, there's an interesting um, kind of paradigm uh, going on out there right now where uh, it's believed that in a sense, these instructions and, and our epigenome center are like a computer hard drive and that we may actually have a completely pristine backup computer hard drive that we might be able to reboot. Yeah. Wow. And, and you know, maybe every year, every two years, we reboot it. And so we look at this in terms of not necessarily, I mean, longevity would be great, but we look at it as health span or skin health span in terms of regardless of how long we're going to live, are we going to live it in a vibrant, healthy way? And are we going to look like we're not decaying? And so when we talk about anti-aging, that's kind of a, a thing today where people have, they, they look at that negative and they say, you know, you don't want to use that term because it's, it's judgmental, et cetera. No, it's not. I'll tell you why. Because aging is considered a disease. Now, how can it be a disease if it affects more than 50% of the people? Because the disease is defined as affecting less than 50%, like cancer or heart disease or whatever. Right. Um, well, guess what? What is aging made up of? It's made up of all kinds of diseases. And so we are really on the cusp of being able to address these diseases and, and, and it's going to affect our skin. And being able to decode a lot of this, um, I think, is a lot, a lot of things that I'm working on at the moment. And, um, and I think I've got a pretty good handle on a couple of these things. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you've, you've got a good handle on a lot of different things with skin. Honestly, you, you really are the guru for skin health. I really mean that, you know, it's, it's very, for me as a scientist, it's very um, encouraging to to hear when you speak about the the true you know nature of your products and why you're using them the way you are why you're formulating the way you are because i you know like i said i every single day i come across brands influencers whoever it is that's speaking about skin health but they have absolutely no idea what the hell they're talking about and it's so irritating to sit there and listen <laughs> because a part of me is like oh my gosh i wish i could just stop you and just correct like the 15 things you said you know in the last 10 minutes so it's for me it's always a breath of fresh air jan every time we speak because it, you really are you yeah. know tr brilliant well it's thank you so much it's so kind of you but you know it is frustrating because when you have the competitive rhetoric out there and it's yeah. not just the fact that you know somebody's not buying your product it's the fact that they're being misled and thinking that somehow this product really has stem cells in it Yes. Oh or, my yeah. God. Yeah. And you know that, you know, I mean, you, you know, there's a, there, there's a medical study that was done where they took a paraplegic 
And yeah. I don't know how many years ago this was, but paraplegic that was paralyzed, completely paralyzed. And over working two years in terms of the area of stem cells, they were able to get this person to literally stand up with the help of braces and actually take a few steps completely, you know, with braces everywhere. Now, with that said, they got the stem cells from this person's nose. And the complexity of, of what they were able to achieve is beyond my even my comprehension. But yeah. to think that you could take something that you think is a stem cell that's so delicate, it is so prone to anything and stick it in with a whole bunch of other ingredients. Right. And then put heat and centrifuge it. And then somehow, or exosomes for that matter, somehow you're going to have this activity or better yet, plant stem cells because we know oh my that, god we know that <laughs> we can mate with a plant right yeah absolutely you know i so, plan on having like oak babies soon so it's okay <laughs> so i just it's it's really about i really am passionate about wanting to provide that education so that people really are using things because our skin is so connected to our self-esteem it our is. skin it's so um it, you know important that individuals feel um, really good about what they see in the mirror. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it really does tie into so many things. And, you know, we discussed like, you know, the gut brain skin idea, but that's a, that's a real axis. I mean, for everyone who doesn't believe that I, I, I really challenge you to prove us wrong because it's a real axis. I mean, it's a whole area of study that's ongoing and it's very, very interesting how it's working. And, and going to your point about stem cells, Jan, I could not agree with you more. Oh my gosh. Like I remember like Three years ago, I wrote a little mini blog piece on this. I was like, stem cells will not survive in a jar that you ship to wherever the hell you're going. Stem cells, like for anyone who's ever worked in a lab, to even grow them in a Petri dish and to get them to like divide and then split those cells and have those cultures be viable enough to then re, you know what I mean, pull out of uh, liquid nitrogen and use again, that by itself is you know 75 percent of the time it fails so to have them in actual products and then make people believe that they're working in some way it's just it's absurdity and i don't get it i just don't know how consumers buy into this stuff that's what really yeah. gets me you know say um the closest we've come to skin cells in terms of skin rejuvenation is when you do fat transfer because fat's full of stem cells and it re-educates the cells around it so it can make them look younger but it also depends on where you get the fat from. And doctors know that when they're doing this and they don't necessarily have a million dollar machine sitting in their office, that how many of them are viable or what you're actually um, getting in it as the end result is, is very unpredictable. Um, I have a friend that works, at, well, it's part, she has ownership in a company in Switzerland that actually does a lot of this um, mainly into China and where they do uh, stem cells work with it, but they actually have a machine that can count them and they know exactly what it is they're delivering. And, but it's, oh, it's so complex and it's so expensive. And it's just, 
it's crazy. It's, it's really a lot. No, it's a lot. It, the stem cell research is not cheap at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a lot of a, and you know, here's the thing I would actually love to see maybe one day, you know, Jane, you'll come up with thing because stem cells actually secrete a lot of things that are helpful in terms of turning on the cells nearby, like you mentioned. So if we're going to talk about stem cells for anyone out there who's creating a brand and you're about to do this, <laughs> please take it off your label. Let's reassess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah. by the way, you know, um, we, we now know that you don't need fetal stem cells to actually do these things where you can, you can create this rejuvenation. Um, and you don't, you, you, you can take adult cells and you can have these effects, but we're not certainly not where we can stick it in a skincare product or anything like that. No, absolutely not. And I don't even, I don't even think we would need it to be honest. I'm, I'm curious to see if we would even need them, you know, in skin health. Like that's another topic. It's just like, you know, the application of science, like I feel like people need to understand everything that's discovered doesn't apply to every organ. You that's know, right. that's, it's like a huge thing. Like just because it works for your liver or your brain or your gut doesn't mean it's going to work for your skin. So, you know, we have to really come to an understanding, I think as a consumer base and just people in general, you know, that scientists, they discover things, but that doesn't mean that's the holy grail of now fixing all of the problems on the planet. You know, it's, it's a very, very complex protocol that goes behind actually creating something from discovery, you know, and applying it. And I have a motto and that is, it's, there's a difference between what you can do and what you should do. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. I completely agree with you. And I think, you know, if people really actually stuck, you know, that should be the motto of all skincare beauty industry, please, because we have so many products now and I, and I just get so scared. I, I really do, Jan, I get scared. I look at the, I look at the brands coming out every day and I'm like, <sighs> I wonder how many different kinds of problems this is going to create, you know, from a medical standpoint, how many germs out there, you know, are going to be frustrated with absolutely new skin conditions emerging, you know, and more problems and more inflammation. So, yeah, I mean, I could rant for this about this for hours with you, but this has been so fun. And I love that we really dove in. I I love that we dove into the system because, you know, I'm a huge fan. I've been using it. Like I said, for everyone listening, I really encourage you, you know, um, go check out the system, you know, on the website. And then obviously, you know, if you want to do a consultation, if you want to learn more about it, you know, there's definitely resources available, you know, so definitely take advantage of that and learn about your skin, learn about your skin, you guys, you know, it's, it's an organ and it's something that requires really thought out, well thought out, researched, you know, ingredients. And that's exactly why, Jen and I are doing this segment because we want you to understand that the science in her products is revolutionary. And I really urge all of you to check it out. So thank, thank you so much, Jan. And it's all, as always, it's Very been a pleasure. You. And yeah. thank you everybody who's listening because I wouldn't be here without you. And thank you so much, Ekta. Till next time. Till next time. Absolutely. Okay.